You are now tuned in to the December 26er podcast, where we encourage you to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. What's up, 26ers? Welcome to another episode of the December 26er podcast. I am your host, Delisha. And before we jump into this episode, I just want to take a moment to thank you all for all of your support and kind words and commitment to listening to this show. If you have not done so already, please remember to like, share, and subscribe. We depend on you to get the word out and bring more people into the December 26er fold. So thank you in advance. Now, on to this episode. This one features Melissa Castro. Melissa is the Director of Professional Development at Momentum Education. Momentum's workshops help attendees break through old fears and procrastinations and design new actions to attain a life of fulfilling goals and dreams. Melissa is living her life according to the same principles. During our conversation, we chatted about a number of things, particularly how she got into Momentum and being raised by a single dad as well as her journey to reconciliation with her mother. So without further ado, please take a listen and I hope you enjoy. Melissa, welcome to the December 26th podcast. Thank you. Thank you. Thanks for coming. Thank you. So happy to be here. How are you today? I'm doing really well. Awesome. You look good. You look bright. (laughs) And I'll just put you out there. You're saying you're a little nervous. A little (laughs) bit. Before we get started. It's going to be good. It is just a chat. All right. It's just a chat. So let's get into it. Who is Melissa Castro? Yeah. Um, So Melissa Castro, I am, I'm a dreamer. I'm a, um, gosh, I think I'm like, I describe myself as like a ball of energy, a ball of light. I'm really Mm -hmm. just like a positive, really happy, loving person. And I don't describe myself by like necessarily what I do. Mm -hmm. I'm more so intentional about focusing on like who I am as a person, who I see myself as and like how people experience me. Mm -hmm. So... Yeah, I would say that I'm um, a person that is really uh, focused on connecting people, bringing people together, um, really into like people's he- stories and their healing and personal development. And so um, that comes from like my own story, mm-hmm. and my own like journey of healing that um, you know ties into what I do. Mm-hmm. But um, at the core of it, I'm just I'm human. I'm, <laughs> I'm me. So since you are a dreamer. Let's let's start there. Um, One of the things that I often reflect on um, now in my life is how it looks so much different than Mm -hmm. than what I thought it was going to look like. If you would have asked me at 18 or 21, what would you be doing? You know, at 36, it wouldn't be much of anything other than maybe my choice of career. But even how my career has panned out looks different. Um, So let me ask you, what was your dream for yourself as you entered into adulthood? And then what did life become? Yeah, that's interesting you say that, like thinking about our dreams and like what we envision for ourselves Mm -hmm. when we're younger. So I was actually thinking about this yesterday. Um, I feel like I'm living my dream right now. I just feel like I am at the right place at the right time. And I'm originally from Southern California. Um, So when I was younger, I knew that I wanted to live and work out in New York City. Mm -hmm. And my dad reminded me like a few weeks ago, he's like, you know, I wish I wish I never took you to see that Spice Girls uh, movie because <laughs> that's what planted the seed for you to like want to be out here in New York and look at you. Now I'm out here, you know, 3000 miles away from family, but I'm living my dream. Um, and so I didn't necessarily come out here in the way that I thought I would. Mm -hmm. Um, But, you know, my career brought me out here. And um, initially I was working up in um, Connecticut, um, but then made my way down to New York and I'm I'm loving it. So it's it's been like a dream come true. It hasn't been easy, but it's panned out to be what I thought it would in terms of where I am right now. Mm -hmm. So beyond I want to live in New York City, like Mm -hmm. what else did you see for yourself Like, did you know when I get to New York City, this is what I want to be doing and this is the kind of life that I want to have? Did you was that fleshed out at all? Um, What I knew, what I saw for myself, and this is something that's still like very present for me when I like think about myself and and what I'm doing at my highest potential. Mm -hmm. It's really um, speaking and um, on different platforms or being on camera and sharing my story Mm -hmm. um, and bringing people together together 
in a way, um, I'm also, I'm Mexican, mm -hmm. um, Chicana, so I speak Spanish as well. And so it's like bringing people together um, in Spanish and um, in English from different communities to share my story. And so I envision myself like either reporting or being on camera. Mm -hmm. um, and I actually tried out reporting for a bit and realized like that wasn't it. I didn't want to fit into that box. Mm -hmm. So, um, so yeah, it was specifically like I knew that I wanted to be on camera and I wanted to be speaking and... It hasn't exactly been that just yet, but that's my, still my goal for where I'm headed. Mm -hmm. Awesome. So it's interesting because I come into these interviews and, you know, we sort of have this program of how we walk through people's stories. And so much of what people are often rooted in is what they do, mm -hmm. right? And their profession. So oftentimes the first part of the interview is all about um, their work, right? And, and the brand they've built. And then we sort of back it up often to the, the personal story. Um, with you, I think I'm going to go a different way because of how you've presented yourself mm -hmm. here. Let's start um, with the personal uh, part. What I find unique about your story and, and rare is that you were raised in a not only a single parent household, mm -hmm. but with your dad. Yeah. So how did that come about? Yeah. Um, so, yeah, it's not something that you hear often. Mm -hmm. And now that I'm 30, I'm like realizing how well, as I like, you know, got into my 20s. And now that I'm 30, I realized like how much of an impact that was on my life, mm -hmm. um, which is pretty cool. But that happened, um, you know, I had kind of a tumultuous um, upbringing, parents divorced when I was seven. And um, at the time, I just had a really disconnected relationship with my mom. Mm -hmm. And um, so just, you know, things happen and uh, she wasn't able to necessarily care for me the way that I felt like I needed to be cared for at that age. And so when I was 12, um, my dad received custody of me. And so he raised me as a as a single dad. And, um, you know, from that moment, he he was always such a dedicated person in my life, even when he wasn't um, living with me and I was still with my mom and, um, you know, in her custody, he would come visit me at school. He would bring me lunch. He knew who my friends were. He was such a present person in my life and was so nurturing. And, um, that's really what drew me to like, want to live with him when I was younger. And, um, so from 12 on, he raised me, um, as a single dad. And I always, I joke around with him because it's kind of like, I always joke and tell him like, Oh, you, you know, you wish you had a boy. Like he's somebody <laughs> who could raise me like a boy. Like I was a tomboy growing up, mm -hmm. um, you know, doing fishing, like hiking, camping, being all of that, um, loving the outdoors and like going out with my uncles and my, you know, male cousins a lot. And so, um, it was fun, but, um, that's a, that's a part of my story that I don't always focus on is mm -hmm. like the benefits and that came out of living with my dad. Um, cause it is such a unique experience, but I'm now that I'm older, I, I love it. And I am interested in like connecting with people who share that experience mm -hmm. and like talking more about what that was like for me, because um, it wasn't always easy. Right. Sure. Like being a girl, being a young woman growing up and like not necessarily knowing how to do certain things or how to, um, you know, when it comes to like maturity and whatnot. Mm -hmm. So did you ever feel like even as an adult, any kind of void from not having your mom there? Oh, absolutely. Mm -hmm. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's probably the one thing that I've um, that's been like my lifelong challenge was like um, realizing that there there was that void and not that she wasn't physically present. Um, I, I did see my mom um, throughout my childhood and like every other weekend growing up, but it just wasn't the relationship that I wanted. And so there was always that like that tug or that like desire of like wanting to have that nurturing relationship with my mom. Um, and I didn't really appreciate it until I got older. And it was actually a pretty like tough situation. But um, but yeah, I think I in terms of void, like I I was uh, like a really hard worker in school mm -hmm. and I I like to say I'm a recovering perfectionist. Oh, I can relate. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And I think that that actually comes from like um, the relationship that I had with my mom, taking on some of the things that she went through um, and then always like wanting to seek her approval, like subconsciously. Right. Like mm -hmm. this is me not knowing that I was I wanted mom. I wanted her approval. And so like I was, um, you know, second in my class in high school, I was ASB president. I got accepted to UC Santa Barbara and I was super af active in college, um, led like multiple organizations. Um, our uh, Women's Commission, which is a, the feminist organization on campus, have created a Spanish club like um, sexual health and reproductive education, like mentor. I just did so much. And 
but I think a lot of that drive really came from um, from my experience with my mom Mm because she was very much a go getter. Um, But then also like underneath that was like me wanting mom to be like, you know, all great job, like pat you on the back. And that wasn't necessarily the relationship I had with her. Yeah, I I think and having done this show now for a year, um, 50 plus episodes, I I'm realizing that a lot of really high achievers underneath it is this is rooted in an historical subconscious need for someone's approval. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I think for me, what I sort of discovered about myself, and my own healing is that I, I had this belief. I didn't, I didn't even realize it. It wasn't on the surface, but I had a belief that love was tied to condition. Mm-hmm. People loving me yeah. was tied to me meeting their needs and their desires and their approval and, and getting their praise. Um, and Absolutely. I, I think a lot of overachievers um, have that in common. And one of the things that I say often is that when you have unresolved hurts and pains from childhood or past issues, sometimes a drug of choice is achievement yeah. or workaholism. Mm-hmm. We, we get a lot of praise because people are like, oh, call Melissa. She'll get it done. She's so great, you know, but it really is sort of salve on a, a wound for us mm-hmm. and, you know, to avoid some of the things that might be going on underneath. And it's interesting when you start to do that healing work to realize what void it's it's filling for you. Mm-hmm. Did, did you ever have that experience where you're like, wow, I'm, I'm doing all these things. I'm involved in all this stuff, but there is an emptiness somewhere totally. on the inside. Yeah. I, I love everything that you just said right now. Cause I, it's so on point. Um, and it resonates so much with my experience. So over the past few years in terms of, so you mentioned healing, like mm-hmm. in terms of healing up, I don't think, I don't think people really realize, um, like how important that is or that it's, it's needed to like evolve to a next, the next level. Like we, you know, we're human. We go through so many things and we don't really realize that it's traumatic or that like, um, it isn't quote unquote normal or like healthy until we address it until Mm -hmm. we like bring it up until we bring it to light and maybe share it with someone. Um, so for me, when I actually moved out to, to the East coast and was out here on my own, I put myself into therapy. Mm -hmm. I was 21 years old, teaching high school Spanish, fresh out of college, literally a week after I graduated from UC Santa Barbara, I packed a bag, bought a one-way ticket and I was out in Connecticut teaching. And, um, and I was like, that was exciting for me, right? Like it was, it it was new, but I realized as I was like forced to really be alone, I realized that there was just some unresolved things. And and so it showed up as anxiety. It showed Mm -hmm. up as like depression um, for a bit when I was, you know, in my early twenties. And so I went to therapy and really it was in therapy that I realized that like, wow, I've I've been through some things Mm -hmm. and I've never actually talked about this and, you know, my relationship with my mom and like how the divorce affected me and so on and so forth. Um, But bringing that to light helped me see that there was work to be done internally. And it showed me that I was still subconsciously seeking approval from my mom. And that's where like the drive was. That's where that drive came from. Um, So fast forward to like my late 20s. I actually enrolled into a personal development workshop Mm -hmm. um, called Momentum Education. And in that workshop, I had like such a breakthrough. I realized what had affected me so much about my relationship with my mom was was that like I had never actually heard her say that she loved me. Wow. Like I could maybe count on one hand how many times in my life I had heard her say that she loved me. And saying that um, when I did that workshop, realizing it was like it was just like kind of full circle, like, wow, just that that minor thing, those three words, right, was was so powerful for me to to realize that because I didn't hear that of like it was just like the experience that was my experience growing up. And so um, from that point on, when I was 27, when I did that workshop, I was like, okay, this is my next step. I'm really going to unpack this and I really get to figure out how this has affected me and like what I get to do to to work on myself because because it's not about her. It's actually about like what I do to to work on myself um, without needing to hear that, mm-hmm. you know. So I realized how, you know, that, that breakthrough really, um, it brought to light like my lack of self-esteem and self-worth in my career, in romantic relationships, just in every area of my life. Um, it really brought to light what, you know, how I was like not wor- valuing myself at the time um, because I didn't hear that growing up. Right. And and not hearing it is a valid 
point, right? It's a, it's a valid reason for um, what has happened in your life later and how you how you see yourself and how you approach other experiences. I think where people get hung up often is on the story. Yeah. And it's like, I didn't get X, Y, and Z. I didn't get X, Y, and mm. Z. And not thinking about, okay, but now how you address that actually has nothing to do with the other person. Mm-hmm. Like, how do you unpack that for you and overcome it? And that's the beauty of going to therapy or going through personal development uh, experiences because it does shine a light on you. And mm-hmm. what you need to be doing. And, and I think some sometimes people fear that as well, because A, they're not ready to address it. Mm-hmm. But B, it's easier to just totally. blame someone else for what you what may be perceived as shortcomings or what you can't accomplish. Um, and I think for me personally, one of the things that when I start to have that narrative about anything, mm-hmm. one of the things I like to remind myself is you can always make a new choice. Like, what's your choice mm-hmm. for how you view this and what you see as a lesson and how you overcome it? And w- when you're that person and you, 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 I can tell that that's who you are in your, in your life, um, talking to someone who's not there yet. <laughs> <laughs> total disconnect. There's a total disconnect and oh, yeah. they can see it as insensitive or abrasive <laughs> and like, but no, like really you've got to be willing to do the work because, um, and one of the things that a therapist I had said to me that I will never forget and ring true in my mind when I find myself playing a tape about mm-hmm. someone else the same experience she said when are you going to stop approaching that person expecting a different result and I didn't have a response to that because it's like well you're right I'm I'm upset because I'm expecting them to be something different than who they shown me that they are mm-hmm. and that's I think part of the problem people hang around and hoping uh, and expecting something different instead of just accepting people for where they are and and treating and interacting with them accordingly mm-hmm. um, and I think that that's the work when you do that it's so liberating doesn't it mean is. the pain dissipates right away or no, the right. negative feelings but it is there's a freedom that comes with that yeah um, I love what you said about the story right because I think we generally in it, like in society we're caught up so much much on the story. Mm -hmm. Like the story is what makes the headlines. The drama is what makes the headlines. And um, that's what we're engaged in. Mm -hmm. You know, most people are like, they want to hear about that, about like what's not working or talk about what's not working. And not to say that that's bad or that there's judgment, but um, I just realized I got to a point, I literally got to a point and I was like, I can't continue to talk about this. I can't continue to like cry about Mm -hmm. this. Like there's just a point where, where you get to maybe where you're just like, all right, enough is enough. Now what? I've told this story so many times about how it didn't work. Now what? And for me, that, that was it. That Mm -hmm. was, you know, that was the next step for me was to like, now do the work, do the work and stop telling the story or choose a different interpretation. Sure. Right. Things did not work out the way I maybe thought, you know, I preferred when I was younger, but it absolutely made me who I am. It gave me the drive. It contributed to like who I am today. Right. Mm-hmm. And and it gives me like it contributes to the passion and the purpose that I have to like share it so that so that I can encourage other people to also do the work for themselves and um, discover like what's underneath, you know, their I don't know, their pain, their fears. Right. So for you, when you decided to do the work, did you see change in your life mm-hmm. immediately for the better or was it over time? Um, both. Mm-hmm. So immediately coming out of that that workshop, I actually had a conversation with my mom and I kind of released and I cleared with her and I told her like, this is how I have felt my entire life. This is the relationship I've wanted, but this is how it impacted me. You know what, you know, the things that you said to me and that created almost an immediate shift in our relationship. Mm -hmm. So I went from not talking to her maybe once every three weeks or once a month to every week checking in with her. Wow. How are you doing? And getting to know my mom on a personal personal level, not because not like in her role as mom, but Mm -hmm. as like who she is as a person, which was totally different for me, too. Mm -hmm. I think sometimes we can see our parents as like parent figures and see them in that light, but then not really think about who they were as a person before they had us. Right. Like they had a whole life and experiences before you came along. Right. So, yeah, it allowed me to create a different relationship with her. It also impacted my career at the time, at the time I was teaching. Um, and I knew that that wasn't it for me. Like I loved working with my students, um, but I knew that I wanted to have a larger impact beyond my classroom. And so I actually changed careers um, a couple of years after I started traveling more. Also, it was kind of a um, this was 2015. So I had just moved to Brooklyn um, and I also like ended a 
four-year relationship that would have led to marriage. Mm-hmm. Um, and so everything was happening that year, you know, it was almost like things were falling apart, but things were really coming together for me. Um, so now I'm doing something that I love in a profession that I love. Um, I, my relationship with my mom is still evolving. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, I won't say it's easier in any way, but, um, I have more awareness to like care for myself in a way that I didn't before. Sure. And, and I think sometimes that care translates to bound, certain boundaries, Yes, you know, and knowing when it's time to end a conversation. Right. So uh, it, and that's a lesson over time. And I think that's a shift that I've seen in my own life um, over a period of years and knowing when to politely say, OK, like <laughs> I've had enough for today. This conversation is over. Yeah. Um, moving right along in several relationships in my life that have been abusive in the past or or toxic, but you're tied to that person um, mm-hmm. in some way, or maybe not even toxic, but just deficient. Uh, and and I, I think sometimes people who take um, things like these momentum education courses or uh, start out on some 30 day, you know, plan to joy, or, you know, if I just write gratitude cards for the next 21 days, everything's in my life's going to change. My problem sometimes with the that approach is there's so much focus on the end result mm-hmm. and wanting everything to do a 180 in such a short period of time that you're actually not focused on the work at all. And mm-hmm. it's rare. You, you, you'll you see what I like to call mile markers that tell you that you're um, moving in the right direction. But that evolution and that process to healing is ongoing. Mm-hmm. And and as we change as people, you start to learn more about yourself and, and others as well. So um, I do want to get into next what momentum education is yeah. and how you, you came to want to work there um, however but I, I always encourage people sure you know take the courses study do this do that but the work is ongoing and know Absolutely. that and and um, you can have a transformative experience in a moment but there is still more to be done mm-hmm. and just be open to that and, and have have patience you know Rome was not built in a day yeah <laughs> and healing doesn't always come in a day for sure um, so but let's talk about for those who don't don't know what is momentum education. Yeah, so um so momentum education is a personal development like professional development company and um there's a lot of buzz around like life coaching mm-hmm. and personal development right now but the company's actually been in business for 15 years. Um and so at momentum we do um workshops like weekend workshops to support people in really like unpacking things and creating that awareness to help them see like what's standing in between them and their goals, mm-hmm. right? Their current situation and their like ultimate goals that they have for their life. And um, they're all really like engaging experiential exercises. So, you know, you're working in a group setting or, you know, doing an exercise alone. Um, And it's really reflective. It's just a time that you get to set aside and say, okay, this is just for me. This isn't related to work. This isn't related to family. It's me really like honing in and looking within to see like how, like what's there and how do I get to the Mm -hmm. next level? So in terms of how I got started with Momentum, uh, like I mentioned, at the time I was teaching high school when I first took the workshop and, um, it was such a like a catalyst for me that I decided to go through their advanced course and their leadership training that year. And um, and then I started volunteering. I was like, I love this community. I love what it offers. I love the people. I love that it it is so focused on like improving and contributing. So I started volunteering for a whole year almost in 2016 um, that then I got recruited to work on their enrollment team. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was teaching full time, working at Momentum part time in 2017. And um, then at, at, you know, at the end of the school year in 2017, um, my students who I had been advising for four years graduated and I was like, okay, I'm seeing off my quote unquote babies. (laughs) They're going off to college and I'm ready to make this move. And um, so I started working full time for the company and I uh, basically developed an entirely new role. Mm -hmm. Um, I didn't take over anyone's position. I just created our professional development um, position. Um, So as a director of professional development, now I'm working with educators throughout New York City DOE, uh, Department of Education, and like schools across the country and internationally, where we're bringing our workshops of like social emotional development um, into schools and supporting like superintendents district, you know, in various districts. So it's really exciting to like go from, you know, my one classroom to now 
now having this like larger impact where mm-hmm. we're transforming education within schools. And we've spoken a lot on this show. We've had a couple of guests who work um, within social emotional learning, which mm-hmm. has been so informative to me. And I'm realizing um, so necessary in otherwise traditional academic settings um, and something that is crucial for kids and I think make them better human beings and, and easy, make, makes it easier for them to adjust to uh, adulthood. But as you mentioned, um, it seems like every time you turn around, there's a new program, like there's a new coach or a new, mm-hmm. um, you know, company that has initiatives around empowerment or personal development or, or goal attainment. I mean, we do a whole podcast around motivating people <laughs> to <Yeah>. create the <laughs> life that they want um, and manifest goals by taking consistent action. And I read something online. It was so funny. I wish I could take credit for it. But somebody said that life coaches are the new mixtape rappers. Like they're just everywhere. (laughs) Like everybody's a life coach now. Um, So, but I think because the the market is so flooded, Mm -hmm. it has, in in some people's view, diminished the work. Mm. And when people hear who are not familiar about things like momentum, Mm And like, oh, that stuff is cultish. Like they get in there, they jump around, they, you know, they make admissions yeah. or confessions <laughs> um, and then they try to com- 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 uh, recruit other people to do the same. I don't I don't buy it. So what makes momentum the real deal and yeah. what differentiates it from other, some of the other offerings that are that are out there? Got it. No, it's uh, so everything you said, it's hilarious because it really, <laughs> no, like life coaching right now is hot, right? Mm-hmm. It's like a hot topic and everyone is doing it. And I applaud people that are, that are into it and that are, um, you know, doing it. I, you know, there's absolutely no shame there. And it's, um, something that I'm like passionate about as well. Cause I'm passionate about like healing and whatnot. But, um, in terms of what differentiates momentum. So, like I said, the, the company has been in business for 15 years and it's like, really, I can speak to the data, right? Mm-hmm. I can speak to the results. We have over 20,000 graduates nationwide. Um, people that come through our workshops, I'd say over 90% of them, maybe 80 to 85% choose to go on to our, you know, advanced and leadership course. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's to speak to like maybe the stigmas that might be attached to, to things like that. It's, you know, I, I would, I, that wasn't my experience mm-hmm. and it's not, it's not the experience of other people. It's literally like people coming together and like, um, using tools to improve themselves, you know, and like, you know, with people who have been coaching for years, um, our coaches are, you know, our Ivy league professors, um, people who are, who have been in, you know, coaching for decades. So I think if there's like stigma out there, it's really coming from people or individuals who um, are totally against it or like mm-hmm. don't don't want to do that healing or, um, you know, maybe they had an experience um, that triggered them and, it, it you know, and it was and for some reason it just like that was their experience. But it's really not it's not at all, I think, what it's painted as sometimes. Um And so it's really just like a community of people who are like working to better themselves and working to like improve their families and improve their careers and their jobs and, and, you know, their their experiences. Yeah. And and I think although I have not gone through momentum, um, you can clarify if I'm incorrect. But I think people focused a lot on the words like healing and doing the internal work. But I get the the feeling that there's a lot of tactical advice and tactical steps that are focused on by participants as well. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, tactical steps, meaning, you know, okay, we're going to do the internal work, but here are the things that when you leave here that you need to be doing, if if you have this goal, let's talk about how you break that down Mm -hmm. into smaller steps and take, um, consistent intentional action in that way. To me, I don't perceive it as something where it's just like, we're going to talk about our feelings and that's the end of it. I think that's the part that people are (laughs) missing that no, there are concrete practical tools tools that you are given in these environments as well. Maybe that's the piece that's missing for people. Yeah, no, absolutely. I think so for me personally, as like Melissa Castro, Mm -hmm. I tend to be someone who, yes, like I'll I'll harp on like healing and whatnot, (laughs) because that's just been my that's been my experience. But in terms of like the concrete tools that we provide for people within the company, um, absolutely. You know, you you are um, you have exercises that you're doing. Um, Maybe it's a meditation. Maybe it's, um, you know, doing a one page reflection. Uh, Maybe it's like having a one on one conversation. Right. But there are like practical tools that you get to support you beyond the workshop Mm -hmm. Um, and quote unquote, like not homework, but essentially homework that you're doing to 
to support you throughout the trainings. So when you've gone through something like this and you've done the work and not only have you done the work, but you're in the environment now working um, for this company, do you find interpersonal or romantic relationships easier or do you find it more difficult to find people who are on the same wave, for lack of a better term? In terms of romance? Yeah, let's talk about it within the romantic <laughs> concept. Yeah. Um, so do I find it more difficult? No, I don't find it more difficult. So I have more access to people in mm-hmm. terms of like my network and my community. So I know a lot of people like around the city, right? Um, because we have so many graduates that have gone through the company. But I, I, I'm i definitely one to like keep my romantic life private mm-hmm. and separate from um from the community or from like momentum or from work. Um, Has it made my dating experience more difficult? No, I think if anything, it's brought to light. Like it's made me realize like who I've been choosing to date Mm -hmm. and like, and learning from those experiences. Um, I mentioned earlier that, you know, in 2015, I was, had just come out of a four-year relationship and that would have led to marriage. Um, But I decided to to not move forward with it because I knew that I wanted to still experience things for myself. Um, and so dating in New York, I think is a whole other like beast. <laughs> yes. <laughs> right. Like not like separate from like the community of, of momentum or just like personal development. Mm-hmm. I think dating in New York is so, so different. Right. <laughs> um, compared to other cities. But if anything, like I know more about myself, I've learned so much more about myself and that's given me more awareness to choose better. Um, mm-hmm. and and to have like better dating experiences. Right. Yeah. And I asked that question because I know I talked to a lot of women or even men who have been through, say, intense therapy or some okay. level of personal and professional development. And then, you know, end up like sort of psychoanalyzing people like, you know, they meet them oh, and they're like, okay. oh, you know, this guy's nice, but it's so much baggage that he's unwilling to address and deal yeah. with and like I've done my work and I want somebody who's done their work so that's why I, I asked the question um, but also I, I have had a similar experience and can relate in that one plus even though it can be difficult to find people who um, are on the same journey or have been mm-hmm. of healing as you um, one plus is that it takes a lot less time to figure out whether this is what I want or need or whether this is going to be good for me as a person, the situation or relationship for sure. Yeah. Yeah. It does. I won't say that. Um, I have it all figured out, right? Mm-hmm. Like I'm single, <laughs> <laughs> I'm single. I've dated, I'm, I'm dating and I like, I want to be in a committed relationship. Right. Um, just turned 30 this year. Mm-hmm. And, and, um, not that I feel like pressure to or in a rush, but it's definitely something that it's like a goal of mine. Sure. Right. Um, but yeah, to that piece of what you just said. Um, I think that can be the case for some people is to, is to like try to figure people out. Mm-hmm. Right. But at the end of the, of the day, honestly, like we all have our baggage. We all have, all of us. The, we all do. Right. Even if we've gone through workshops or therapy, there are still things that we're dealing with that we don't even know that are affecting us. And, um, it's on us to, to like figure it out or, mm-hmm. or, or not. And like choose the people that are going to be best for us or like or they might just be lessons or Mm -hmm. chapters, you know, for that moment, whatever it is. For sure. So you had um, a quote online Mm -hmm. that I that I liked and sort of spoke to me in relation to the audience that that we serve. Um, And it said, see rejection as a blessing. Don't exert effort where it isn't wanted, needed or valued. And the reason why that stood out for me is Tying back to what we were talking about earlier, um, high achieving folks, perfectionists and uh, 26ers in, mm-hmm. in general, we are used to approval. We, mm-hmm. we seek it, even if it's subconsciously, we seek acceptance. So when we set out to do something and win someone's attention or win that job or win someone's affection um, and we don't get it and mm-hmm. we are rejected, it can be hard to not only move past it, but I think um, sometimes it speaks to it can hit us in the in the self-esteem department. Like, mm-hmm. well, why wasn't I good enough? Yeah. And then you start questioning your capabilities um, or if it's on the romantic side, your ability for someone to love you and yeah. value and want to be with you, et cetera. And you can almost spin out. Uh, from one singular incident of just not being chosen. So what are some of the tools that people can use to move past rejection um, in a healthy and an efficient manner? Yeah, um, I love how this all ties together because I'm pretty sure when I wrote that, it was about like a romantic situation. 
<laughs> I don't know when the, the exact date was, but yeah, it was like, I think I was heartbroken a little mm -hmm. bit. And so that was what it was about. But it ties into every aspect, right, of rejection. Mm -hmm. Rejection. It's not just romantic. Um, seeing rejection as a blessing is 100 um, percent. It's an interpretation that you can choose to support you to move forward. Mm -hmm. So um at the time, and I think just in general, when things don't work out, they're they're maybe they're not meant to, right? And in terms of like relationships or career, if you're trying to force something and it's just not happening, I think um, there's something better planned for you, um, or or like you need to take a different route. And in terms of tools, like what whether it's career related or romantic or whatnot, just rejection in any form, it's really like get present to okay, why am I so triggered by this or mm -hmm. hurt by it? What what is um what's like underneath that, right? Like, why do I want this, this job so bad? Is it um, going to prove to someone or to myself that like, that I matter in some way more than I do currently, if I have this job, right? Or um, I think we can create in our heads that like, if we attain certain things, like then we'll be good enough, then like, then we'll have it, quote unquote. But if we strip ourselves away from what we do, like who people see us as, like everything, like who are you at the core, mm -hmm. right? Who do you see yourself as um, aside from having that job, aside from having that relationship? Um, so for me, it's like that rejection is just a reminder of um, of me to like remind myself of my worth mm -hmm. regardless of the situation and like push forward in a different direction. Um, yeah, push forward in a different direction. It's just it's not meant for me. And um, I see it as a blessing because when I look at the times that I was rejected for things in my 20s, like I'm so glad I didn't get chosen mm -hmm. um, because I, I would be in a completely different spot. And I'm really happy about where I'm at right now. Yeah, I, I think where it gets difficult, you know, for people um, and my, myself included is there are things that I can look back on and say, oh, it's a full circle moment. Like, mm -hmm. I'm so happy that didn't work out because now something better came along and it's where I was meant to be. But if we're talking about it within the aspect of we can stay on the um the dating side of things, especially for, let's say, women of a certain age, mm -hmm. like 35 and older, yeah. when you've invested your energy in something and you thought this was the right situation and it didn't quite work out, you can say that wasn't the right person for me mm -hmm. and I'm just going to take the lesson. Um, but one of my favorite uh, quotes from that show Sex in the City is um, when Charlotte said, I've been dating since I was 15, I'm exhausted. Mm -hmm. Right. <laughs> Women like re you know, they reach a certain age and they're like, OK, but when like I've been through this over and over yeah. again, I'm getting older. I want to have a family. Um, I want to have children. And once again, the person that I, you know, I, I thought was it has rejected me or it didn't work out. Now what? Uh, that period when you've been waiting for a while, even though you're saying with your mouth, OK, that wasn't the right thing. Um, something better is coming. It can be hard to stay in the flow mm -hmm. uh, when you feel like time is not on your side. Those types of things like long, longing, delayed gratification, are those things addressed in this idea of goal setting and goal attainment within Momentum? Um, are they addressed directly like in that way? I nothing right now is coming to mind. But what I what I will say is that like it's within momentum. One of the things that um, that you learn within the curriculum is that like you're always able to create something mm -hmm. right. Like we are creators. And so um, whatever your experience is in the current moment, like you can work to you can empower yourself to create a different result by trying something different, mm -hmm. by trying something different. Right. Because you won't get a different result trying the same thing. Um, so personally, right. Like I said, I'm 30 and I um, if I, I could have been married at this time, I could have probably had kids. Mm -hmm. But um, and and, you know, I'm being that I'm turning 30. There's like that that pressure from family, you know, like, when are <laughs> what you, are you doing? Yes. What are you doing? Come on. Like, I'm, you know, <laughs> mm -hmm. going home to California and it's like my Theo and Theos are like, OK, are you dating? <laughs> um, my little brother's like, I want I want uh, I want a nephew or a niece. Mm -hmm. Right. Um, so there's definitely that pressure. But um, and after three years in New York, like dating, it's um, yeah, it can, it's exhausting. Right. right? But. I still feel like if I'm focused on if I'm focused on myself and not necessarily worried about um, who's coming 
when like I'm going to be good. And mm-hmm. and a lot of friends who have fallen in love or found like that quote unquote one, it's when they weren't looking. It's when they weren't necessarily like working so hard, right? Mm-hmm. Or swiping so hard to like <laughs> find the person. It's it's all about um, my own personal development right now. And that's my focus because as I continue to improve, then I will attract that. And we, that's what we do. We attract, we attract who we are mm-hmm. and what we are in our life. So as you continue to improve, like you'll continue to attract situations or people that um, are like where you're at. Absolutely. So shifting gears, tell me about a time when you had to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Yeah. Um, so initially when I heard that, I was brought back to like full circle, right? My my mom. So last year or at the end of 2016, um, I found out that my mom was diagnosed with breast cancer wow. and I was out here in New York um, working. And I just remember that day being so hard for me because I was at work. I got the phone call. I was talking to her and um, yeah, it was confirmed that she had breath like a, a actually like a stage three or four um, really um, rare cancer as mm-hmm. well. And so, so many things went through my head and it, it um, that was a shift for me. I actually, um, after that shortly, like moved to California for a month, lived with her for a month to help her get situated um, and help my little sister just get situated and um, get them moved in with family and whatnot. But that was a day when I realized that like, okay, I really get to step it up. Um, I, I realized that um, it's not always just about me. It's not always just about my goals, but mm-hmm. it's about like how I am impacting the people that care about me, how I'm um you know, helping out my family as well. And that really changed my life. It was like stepping into adulthood, really. And mm-hmm. like, it was like a kind of like the alarm went off. Like we're getting older, parents are getting older, life is happening. And as I'm like continuing to to pursue my goals and live my dream, like I still get to support other people um, that matter to me. So that was huge for me because it was also like a shift in our relationship, given everything that I'd been through with her. Mm-hmm. Um, so... That's a journey that I'm on. She's, you know, thankfully still here, recovered, um, back working. It's a year later, um, but it's still like a work in progress. You know, what's interesting in you telling that story is I went back to what we talked about earlier about her never having said um, or having said very rarely that she loved you. Mm -hmm. Um, And why I thought about that is because the steps that you took, that is love in a different form. Yeah. Um, So, you know, you talk about love languages and, you know, words of affirmation and acts of service. And I think sometimes we're we're focused on this form of love Mm -hmm. and not realizing that it can be expressed in different ways. Um, So the the lesson that I'm taking from this conversation is that while it was you giving that to her, um, what I'm taking away from it is sometimes you want to hear something from someone, mm-hmm. but they that might not be the form in which they've expressed love to you. And as someone who's had a strange relationship with a parent <laughs> as well mm-hmm. um, with my dad, I'm just reflecting on maybe the words may not have always been there. Maybe his presence was not always there, but what gift did he give to me and what form of mm-hmm. love was provided to me, be it my sense of humor, my work ethic, you know, things that I'm interested in um, that I inherited from him. And, and that's what I'm, I'm taking away from today like don't always focus on love in one form mm-hmm. um find the gratitude and how you've received it in, a, in a, a variety of ways yeah one thing that um yeah thank you for sharing that um one thing that a, a coach one of my good friends told me once was um so sometimes children are born to actually like help the parent mm-hmm Right. Sometimes the the child has the tools to actually like help the parent instead of like, you know, vice versa. We think like, oh, if you have a kid, like you're ready to have that kid. Some people are not ready to have kids. Right. And sometimes like those children are actually like the gifts to like shift Mm -hmm. something with the parent. And I really feel like that's what my experience has been with my mom to show love to her in a way that she didn't experience. Um, And just in general, I think rule of thumb is like in terms of relationships, if you're not experiencing something, you're not getting something like that's your opportunity to give it. Mm -hmm. Um, And even even at work, right? If I'm seeing that something isn't getting done, like speak up about it, put in that work Mm -hmm. um, because then you'll, that ripple effect will be so much greater. Absolutely. So when we talk about momentum education, Mm -hmm. you know, the key word for me obviously is momentum. And um, one of the things that I hear from people often who listen to this show or friends of the show um, is 
they always say, oh, you know, the people that you have on, they've done so much. They're in such a great place. They have great energy. I have things that I want to accomplish, but I just can't keep the momentum. Mm-hmm. I can't, you know, I start, but I'm, I'm not consistent. What do you think is the single greatest challenge that people have to really starting on a path towards a goal and actually mo- mo- maintaining that momentum? I can speak personally. For me, it's community. It's Mm -hmm. having people around me that support me 100% that know what my vision is and are going hard with me. Um, You know, they say that like you are the average of the five people that you surround yourself with. And so one of the great things about momentum is that after going through the workshops, you like people are excited about like what you're up to about your goals you know they're excited to like hold you accountable to Mm -hmm. like be there for you to support you and the community is so so um connected and amazing in that way where like you're aware of of other people's goals and you want to like invest in their success as well so Mm -hmm. for me it's it's surrounding myself with people who are up to you know things just just as big who are like aligned with my goals and who will like call me out also when I'm not you know when I'm not headed where I need to be or if I'm like (laughs) you know trying to like shy away from my greatness like I have my friends that will call me out and keep me in check yeah I'm a huge proponent of not hanging with people who co-sign mediocrity. Yeah. Right. And I have been fortunate. We have been fortunate to expand our network with this show where everybody's like doing all these great things. So you sort of want to not that it's a competition, but, you know, you want to keep up right with with pace. Um, but I am careful to limit my interactions with folks who are like, yeah, well, it's it's OK if you skip a few episodes. Who cares? Like, you know, mm-hmm. but if you, if you have what I have found is if you are around people who are they live in a state of dream manifestation um, and always striving to be better and, and find joy. If that is the kind of energy exchange you're having within your village, it is only going to impact you positively. Yeah. And the reverse is absolutely equally as true. Mm-hmm. If you're around people who are sort of stuck in the negativity or don't have the drive, et cetera, um, you're going to have the same result as well. But what I encourage people to do um, who are there is I think one of the problems that they have often is when they do start to hang around people um, who are making strides, then they start feeling inadequate. Mm. Right. So Mm -hmm. then it's like a competition. Like, well, I try, but they're doing so many great things. I felt like, you know, I I wasn't keeping pace or what have you. And that's all ego. Um, And one of the things that I try to remind myself of um, often, one of my favorite quotes is from Dr. Wayne Dyer, egos edging God out. Like, Mm. so um, basically living life as if everything that's happening to me um, is based on who I am as a person and what it is that I want and need and not having this idea that there's a bigger plan outside of myself for me. Yeah. And coming from a place of ego is diminishing that. It's diminishing what I've been put on this earth to do. And my journey and the pace that I keep is not necessarily going to be the same as the person next to me. And it Mm -hmm. doesn't matter that they're three steps ahead or their podcast, you know, is already at 10,000 downloads a month or what have you. I'm on the path that Mm -hmm. God has set for me. And I'm taking the good and the lessons and the tools that I can from someone else's toolkit who is a part of my network and applying it to my life. But this journey is wholly my own. And that's what I'm always encouraging people who listen to the show Mm -hmm. and do find motivation. But I get that sometimes people feel a little discouraged, like, wow, there's so many people out there doing great things. I'm so behind. Like, no, you're not. You're on your journey. So that's one thing I do like try to raise with that whole finding a village of like-minded people who are or people who are trying to achieve. Don't get caught in that ego game mm-hmm. of they're doing more than me and they're doing it better. Yeah, hundred percent. Like um comparison will have you like messed up, right? Mm-hmm. Like it's the, it's a thief of joy. It's right. like unfair to to compare ourselves. But I also think that it's like it's normalized in our mm-hmm. culture is like, oh, you gotta get ahead of this next person or right. or this idea that there's not enough like there's not enough success for all of us. Mm-hmm. Like as if there's not enough for us to be able to like all fulfill our goals and like there still be enough to bring the people back. Right. Like, and to and to you know to turn back and like bring people up. There's this idea of like fear and scarcity created that like we can't just all do it on our own terms. Um, and I definitely feel that there are definitely times, you know, and even right now, like there are times where I feel like I'm I'm not I'm not doing what I what I want to do 100 percent. I'm not, you know, utilizing my 100 percent like potential or at capacity. There are definitely things that I still want to to do and accomplish. But for the moment, I am 
taking and learning everything that I can in this experience that I, you know, where, wherever I'm at, um, that's how, and actually that's resonates for me in, in terms of teaching, you know, Mm -hmm. when I was teaching, I was towards the end of, um, my career, I was teaching for about seven years. I was getting frustrated because I felt like, no, there's more for me. There's more for me. Mm -hmm. But, but while I was there, I had to pull from experiences and like, I gained so much from that experience to then take into my next career. So wherever we're at, there's a reason why we're there. And there are things that we can learn from the people that we're around um, to help us get to the next level. And, but if we compare ourselves, I mean, it's always going to be a losing game. Right. So whose story do you not compare yourself? too but whose story do you draw inspiration from hmm. um wow whose story do I draw inspiration from you know when I get asked like who I look up to or who my heroes are I sometimes get like caught up like I I trip up I don't there hasn't been like one singular person that mm-hmm. I'm like okay that's where I'm headed um also as like uh a Latina and like in this field of personal development, there isn't necessarily someone that I feel like I can relate to 100 mm-hmm. percent. Um, so I feel like I'm also like blazing that trail mm-hmm. for like Latina bilingual like speaker, um, you know, someone into personal development. Um, someone's work that really resonates with me, though, is like Oprah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, I Super Soul Sunday was like my thing. Yeah, hey, I'm a huge oh fan my of Super gosh. Soul Sunday. <laughs> Super Soul Sunday, Yanla, both of them like together, mm-hmm. just like powerhouses, right? Um, so, and I think she's a great example, right? For someone who's been through all the things that she's been through to still push ahead and like create the industry that she has and mm-hmm. the name for herself. Like, um, I think we're all capable of going through anything and really like rising above. And I think she's a great example of that. Definitely. So, so what is on the horizon for Melissa Castro? Yeah. Um, so in terms of my work and like my full-time work at Momentum, I'm continuing to build out our corporate and our educational, um, trainings. Mm -hmm. Um, this past year, you know, we've partnered with Columbia University, George Washington University, NYU, um, multiple superintendents throughout the Department of Ed in NYC. Um, I led, well, I, I supported us in leading our first international training in Antigua, um, where we, um, had a professional development for the teachers on the island last year. So this year, 2019 is really taking momentum global, even more so um, taking us international so that we are um, able to support people on different continents. And specifically, um, we partnered also with an organization called MyPad, which is the most influential people of African descent. Nice. And so working with their honorees and um, their people um, and actually working to get us into Africa in 2019, mm-hmm. um, which is actually where Momentum started. It was founded in South Africa um, after shortly after apartheid. Mm-hmm. Um, so, yeah, I think definitely my goal is to have us in every district, every school district here in New York City, um, and then to also expand our international trainings. Um, and personally for me, Melissa Castro, um, aside from that, I am working on sharing my story just mm-hmm. like I did today. And I'm like so grateful for this opportunity and this platform because I'm now in a place where I'm comfortable and I'm able to share what I've been through and, mm-hmm. you know, share about my experience. Um, so on social media, uh, you can follow me at a Melly moment, um, which is a M E L I moment. Um, I also have my YouTube page and I am publishing my website this month, um, where I'm putting out content to support people through their own journey of like self-love, self-empowerment and like radical self-love, um, for healing. That is awesome. And where can people find out more about Momentum? Um, at Momentum, you can find us at MomentumEducation.com. Um, we're also on Instagram, Momentum Education or Facebook. Um, so check out our community. Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on. Thank I enjoyed you. our conversation and all this healing and self-love talk. It's <laughs> got me feeling really good. Oh, so awesome. to our listeners, make sure you check uh, Melissa out. If you have interest in getting some help in coaching with your personal and or professional development, make sure you check out Momentum Education. And as always, remember to be extraordinary on an ordinary day. Take care. Thank you for listening to the December 26th podcast. I am your host, Delisha. This episode was produced by Demarcus Adisa and music was provided by Tovo. You can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and Facebook at December 26er. That's December 26ER.